Good morning. I'm Weemala, and today is Friday, September the 30th. And I'm, we're going to sit, and we're also going to read an essay or two from Sharon Salzberg's book, A Heart as Wide as the World, which is, this is one of my favorite books of hers. So today let's start off with the reading and we'll do meditation for the second half of our time together. So this is a, a little bit of a longer, it's, a, it's an essay, but just about a page longer. And it's called Selflessness. And it's in the middle section of the book called The Practice of Transformation. Selflessness. When my teacher, Deepa Ma, came to the United States for the first time, I took her with me to all of the places one would normally visit in a day. The supermarket, the gas station, the bank. She always expressed amazement at the abundance and the efficiency of the Western world. Deepa Ma was one of the most extraordinary teachers I have met. She exhibited a profound understanding of life, yet when it came to matters of the modern technological world, she actually had little, little experience. Still, her childlike insights taught me many wonderful lessons. And Deepa Ma, as most of you know, uh, lived in India, but she had met Sharon in Burma, where they were both studying with Burmese teachers. At one point, a friend needed to get some cash, so we walked to an ATM machine outside of a bank. He pushed in his card, punched in his code, and his money came out. We turned to Deepa Ma, expecting an odd reaction. Instead, she shook her head and said, it's so sad, so sad. Confused, we asked, what is so sad? She said, that poor person who has to sit behind the wall all day long with no air, no sunlight, and has to pick up people's cards, count the money, and hand it out. Then we explained that there was no person behind the wall. It was just an interdependent process of component parts coming together. Ah, she said, it's like anatta. In Buddhist teachings, the concept of anatta or selflessness means that there is no little being inside of us pulling the strings, no separate entity that receives sensory impressions, decides on a reaction, and then expresses, expresses that reaction. In this world of incessant change, there is no enduring entity we can lay claim to and call I or me or mine. Following the laws of nature, anything that arises in this mind and body does so as a result of various conditions coming together. Our lives are the continually changing process of our bodies and minds and interaction with the ever-changing elements around them. Yates expressed this when he asked, how can we know the dancer from the dance? 
our lives are the dance, and where is the dancer apart from that? This is the characteristic of anatta, which is variously translated from Pali as insubstantiality, essencelessness, or transparency. Some people ask, if there is no I, no me, no one behind the process, then who is reading? Who is meditating? Who gets angry? Who falls in love? If there is no self, who has memories? Who gets up and walks out of the room? Who dies? Who is reborn? In order to answer these questions, we have to see how we use the word self as a conceptual framework. Instead of the self in the, I'm sorry, thinking of the self in this way is very useful. But ultimately, this self is revealed as a hallucination of perception, an illusion placed on top of the contingent parts of our existence. Consider the body, for instance. The body is said to be approximately 90% water. This water is made up of hydrogen and oxygen atoms. Atoms comprised of energy are essentially empty space. Where then is the solid entity we depend on and call the body? Science points out that what we call matter and energy are both inseparable and interchangeable. And so the concept of matter energy has arisen as we attempt through language to convey the constant flow and flux of our universe and the intricate relationship between all things. Our bodies, as well as every object around them, have never been static and self-contained entities separate from the changing conditions that create them. The first year that I was back in this country from India, I met someone who was talking about physical immortality and asserting that medical science might in the future make this a real possibility. Having just returned from India where death is not so hidden as it is in the West, it seemed clear, it seemed clear to me that this was impossible, that death is inexorably linked with birth. We may like to think that science will make it possible for us to be able to control everything, that we will be able to wake up one day, look in the mirror and say, you're not going to die. But the body, like everything else, is the interdependent play of conditions. In the same way, whatever rises in the mind does so in relation to the continually changing process of the inseparable body-mind dynamic. Thoughts and feelings do not come at our invitation. That's a very important sentence to remember. Thoughts and feelings do not come at our invitation. We may create the conditions for the arising of certain mind states, such as loving-kindness, but it is not a question of absolute determination. We will never be able to successfully declare, from this point on, I will be entirely loving and compassionate. 
If we create the conditions for change, change will eventually happen. If we create the conditions for radical change, radical change will eventually happen. But not because we simply decide that it will be so, saying, I am now and forever filled with loving kindness. When we understand that there is no being within us who is controlling things, we can see that a state of mind is just that, a state of the mind. It is not my state of mind. I did not choose it. Think about how many different mind states you might have experienced just today. There may have been moments of joy and doubt and hope and fear. Which one is the real you? Any state of body, mind, or feelings arises as certain conditions come together and then vanishes as the conditions pass. Even major diseases of the body, such as cancer, or states of mind, such as depression, which may seem so solid and enduring, can be recognized as a combination of a multiplicity of arisings. We may be able to discern the mental states or environmental factors that contribute to these conditions, and we, we may be able to change some of these in order to facilitate our healing. But no amount of willful determination is going to allow us ultimate control over them. The basis of the Buddha's psychological teaching is that given the truth of inherent insubstantiality and interdependence, trying to control that which cannot be controlled will never give us the security we all wish for. It will not give us happiness. When we let go of trying to control, when we instead fully connect with our experiences, then we can be drawn through the transparency of all things and arrive at our fundamental interconnectedness. In this way, understanding anatta, selflessness, allows us to enter a state of equanimity that is like vast space, rich and vivid and dynamic. It contains everything. It does not struggle with anything. It clings to nothing. Looking at others with this kind of equanimity allows us to love everyone as ourselves. Paul Valéry, the French poet and philosopher said, God made everything out of nothing, but the nothing shows through. This nothing is not a bleak vacuity, but rather a radiance, a translucence. Deepama was an example of that transparency, having so deeply understood selflessness and she was the most full and loving person that I could ever imagine. For in her, selflessness had developed into great equanimity. The nothingness showed through brilliantly in Deepama. It shone through her in the love she exhibited for all beings without exception. I think that's really a lovely essay and it's 
it's just a beautiful um, discussion about no self that we often talk about in Buddhism. And it always leads to, it might start out as a simple discussion, but it always leads to one where there's some confusion and difficulty in really grasping the concept. There's just no unchanging, controlling self. So, I think this, her essay is maybe my fa most favorite essay on that topic. But what we can be left with is that equanimity, accepting all things. They're all included. So, why don't we sit now and uh, roll your shoulders back and relax the body. Whatever posture you're in, feel that your back is stretched out. Feel the support it's giving your body and all the sections of your body. And if you roll your shoulders back, you can feel it supporting you more. Maybe roll your head around a little bit so you can feel it really balanced on the top of your shoulders. Begin to follow your breath. Or be aware of your breath. We don't need to follow it through our bodies. We just, we just, um, most often we want to pay attention to our breath as we inhale and as we exhale, either around the nostrils or by being aware of the belly rising as we inhale and contracting as we exhale. We don't follow it through our bodies when we meditate. That would become kind of a different thing. We'd be focused on the breath moving through the body. We just want to be aware of the breath and let that breath be our anchor. Those, one of those two spots. So every time we become distracted or feel that our mind is wandering, not in the present moment, we can just come back to the breath and stay with it. <clears throat> I want to just begin with the, every time I pull this out, I like to share it. It's a very short loving kindness uh, statement, kind of, from the suttas. Think, happy, at rest. May all beings be happy at heart, whatever beings there may be. Weak or strong, without exception, long, large, 
middling, short, subtle, gross, seen and unseen, living near and living far away, born or seeking birth. May all beings be happy at heart. Let no one deceive another or despise anyone anywhere or through anger or resistance perception wish for another to suffer. Just be with each breath, allowing yourself to come together in the present moment. Let go of the past and let go of the future. And for right now, just be present. Be aware of everything coming in through your sense doors. making contact with your body or your mind. Be aware of sounds you hear, fragrances or smells you notice Be aware of how your clothes feel against your skin, how the temperature of the day feels on your skin. Be aware of your thoughts that will arise in reaction to these things. Just be aware and then let go. Be aware of the thoughts. You might be aware of the context of the thought, but then let it go. Don't feed it, don't add to it. If there's tension in your body or pain, you'll be aware of that, but don't try to hang on to it. Don't try to feed it. Just be aware of it and let it pass through.
be aware that we know that if everything is exactly the way we like it, if everything is pleasant, if we're enjoying just this specific moment, be aware of how peaceful and good that feels. But we also know that we can't cling to it. No matter how hard we try, There may be a loud sound that disturbs our tranquility, a strong wind may come and we become cold, and that feels unpleasant or we become too hot and that creates unpleasantness. So see if you can just stay with whatever arises and see how quickly it can pass. We want to be able to hold everything. It all belongs. Now, before we go about our days or evenings, depending on where you are, what time you watch this, we can set our intention 
May everything I do and say and think today not only be for my own benefit, but for the benefit of all others, all other living beings, human and non-human. So may everything we do and say and think be a refuge for ourselves and be a refuge for others. Thank you. Thank you for being with me, and I hope you have a beautiful day and a beautiful weekend. I'll see you Tuesday.